Hello, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning. My guest today on Alistair Asks, past president of UK and Ireland MPI chapter, sales team for multiple stunning venues, including the Barbican, and now founder of her own business, Conference MCs. Please welcome Sam Allen. Yay, good morning. Thank you so much for having me on quite early here in the UK, not so early in Europe. And if anybody's joining us from the United States, then well done, because it is the crack of sparrows there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being my guest today, Sam. It's a true pleasure to have you on. And today, up for discussion, we've got two main themes, kind of mostly based on our attendee demographic today, but also our our both shared networks as well. Uh, We have a lot of speakers joining us, both kind of amateur and professional, and lots of event planners today as well. So hopefully both of those groups are going to get a lot of tips and tricks out of today's conversation. But let's no start. Pressure, thank you. No <laughs> Everybody, notebooks ready. You've got to get loads of takeaways from this. And Sam is so inspiring. So you're in for a show, I'm absolutely sure. Let's begin with the public speaking side of things because I'm both in awe of your MC role and it also scares the hell out of me. And I'm sure that lots of people feel similar. So audience members right now, anyone watching, comment in the chat about your relationship and experience with public speaking. Do you do it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you avoid it? And we'll come to those comments at the end of the section. But Sam, was there any fear from your side before diving into this role and being so very much in the spotlight? There is always fear, Alistair. It doesn't go. And I think the day, and I say this to anybody in our team or anybody doing this, the day that the butterflies don't come before you're about to be on stage, whether that's physical or digitally, that's the day you need to hang up your speaking boots, your MC boots, because then you're not caring. And that's my true belief. Um, I didn't know that MCing was a, a career, a profession. Um, I was doing this years for years, as you alluded to with MPI, as a, a member of the board and as the board president, you know, facilitating and moderating both meetings and events as as part of the course. I was doing it for other organizations voluntarily. I, I even did a course on it, still not realizing it was actually a profession. And it was only when uh, somebody approached me from a pharmaceutical company um, a few years back and asked if I could facilitate. So I was always working in the event industry, an industry I know like the back of my hand. And they asked if I would work in pharmaceutical. And then suddenly this fear kicked in. You know, I know nothing about the pharmaceutical industry. They have acronyms that I won't understand. And the client was trying to explain to me and this imposter syndrome was here. Sam, you know how to create engagement. You you know how to get people to talk in a room. You know how to communicate content across different cultures and languages. I said, but I don't know anything about the subject matter. I'm not an expert. And uh, yeah, it turns out that you don't need to be. And you do need the people side. But I don't think in my entire life I have been more petrified than I was that first paid job for this pharmaceutical company. Purely, I think, also, you want to do the best job you can do. And um, I just wasn't convinced that 
I was going to be good enough for them, that imposter syndrome was kicking in then. Um, and after the meeting, it was their seventh academy and it was the best academy that they'd ever had. And they told me that was in part due to my um, my work with the team. And after that moment, you sort of have to go, you know, that fear pushed me um, to be the best I could be. So I think it's it's about using that, not letting it take it over, but definitely keeping it with you to put that into something that can uh, really support your public speaking or your your conference moderation and hosting. Amazing. No, I love that. And I am I'm definitely in the same alignment of what you're saying of if one day the fear isn't there, perhaps it's that you don't care. And I kind of say that to my team and, and myself as well before, you know, doing anything, client pitches, client calls, kickoffs. The fact that you're feeling nervous is the fact that you care, right? Because you want things to go well, you want to support that client and you want things to succeed. So it kind of sounds like when you started, did you get thrown into these kind of roles and a, a taste of it? Or did someone say, Sam, can you chair this meeting uh, in front of 20 people, 100 people? How did it kind of start? What was your first taste of it? Oh, the first taste was probably running sales teams. And I, you know, I'm, we've got associates coming through conference MCs now who are wanting to build a career in hosting. And actually that sort of background um, is a really strong way of, of entering this industry because salespeople do good salespeople would need to listen, understand what people are saying, communicate those different messages. And so I think if you spoke to my colleagues and friends around the world when they saw I launched originally before Conference MC, SamyAllen.com, uh, pretty much everyone who knew me said, why did you never do this before? Why why did we never see this is this is what you're meant to do? This is, you know, why you're here. Um, and and from that moment, as I said to you, that sort of, you know, fight the fear, get on that stage, do what you're there to do. Um, and and it's that real the personal reason is that I play a small part or my hosts, my associates play a small part in changing lives, you know, certainly in healthcare, in in other organizations. It sounds dramatic and it's a tiny part, but if we can help um, create that engagement that is gonna stimulate learning and conversation and dialogue, then this is, this, is, this is our why. This gives us the biggest buzz in the entire world. And I can just remember being in Basel Airport, which if anybody is from uh, Basel Airport, sorry about this, but the EasyJet bit wasn't very sexy. It was really <laughs> late. I was super tired. I was on my own. Um, and I don't think I've ever felt so incredible in my life, um, which was why I continued and then developed the business. And that that feeling when, you know, all, you know, my boss is the conference organizer as a rule or the production company or the agency. But it's when participants connect and participants come back to you and say, thank you for, for helping me understand. Thank you for helping me have a voice. Thank you for helping me participate. Those are my reasons. Those are my whys. And um, I wouldn't change it for the world. Amazing. I love that like real sort of future of forecasting of the end user, right? Because I sort of, we're bo uh, both involved in sort of clinical backgrounds. And I always tell myself as well that producing a good event, it's not only helping the attendees, it's not only helping the speakers, but it's the things that are beyond my reach as well. Because passing that training and that good experience to those attendees 
then gets reciprocated in kind right to all the people that they're going to touch with the information which ultimately is patients for, for clinical trials and it's quite empowering to think about that and include it as part of your why of uh, empowering those patients and getting them the solutions that they need which is a very small part of just giving doctors good training right it's a, a wonderful vision and I'm glad it kind of keeps you going um, and that keeps you grounded as well especially in that healthcare sector is that you have to remember what this output is going to be and we talk about this in meeting design from the very beginning of these events and activations mm. but it's the end result you know by creating that engagement by facilitating a good meeting by great design that's going to help learning communication and ultimately you know that's the focus is is the end result which is the patient mm, absolutely and i know you're a big advocate of event design as well and i watched a, a webinar and i've kind of, uh, that you did um with dan esser i think it was yeah. and i've stolen well not stolen taken a lot from that because you talked about this was very sort of early days of talking about hybrid versus virtual versus in person and you said that when you sort of speak with clients, you strip all of that way back. You don't have that conversation before you have a conversation about purpose and what the end result for the end user is required. Uh, and I really love that mindset. And I think that's really important to consider for all elements of event, not just sort of the medium that it's happening in. We're also um, now we're jumping back into this world of in-person, of course, which is wonderful for people. Um, there's another layer that people need to recognize and you know i am seeing events that are uh, i don't know if i want to say being designed that are a blueprint of what was happening before the pandemic mm. bc um and i would really challenge event designers event organizers um anybody looking at their own to really think about what we've all gone through in the past two years whether that's you know our digital experience we're seeing, and this is this is real, folks. We're seeing, you know, fatigue. We talk about, you know, Zoom fatigue, which used to frustrate me, and you probably have heard me say it's not Zoom fatigue, it's bad meeting design fatigue. And again, we are going to be guilty if we go back to the blueprints that we were running. You know, let's pack a day full of content because we've got people in that room. People are experiencing social fatigue. You know, we're not used to meeting all of these people, being in the same room as these people, being less than two meters away from these people on a constant. You know, that's that's a social fatigue and it's a real thing. I'm sure that there are people who are joining us today who are thinking, yeah, I'm I'm way more exhausted when I go to a trade show or, or to a conference. And then the other side is content uh, fatigue as well, that we are, you know, we've, we've been consuming content digitally which has been interesting um but we're not used to jam packing our entire day full of content so i think there needs to be a consideration um even more so about the end user as you were saying the stakeholder the participant and also what's our why about coming together in a room because mm -hmm. i can consume content digitally it's easy you just type in google tedx or any other brand I can watch that live, I can watch that in my own time. And whilst content is important, experience has to be lifted. I want to talk to people, I want to be around a table with people, I want to hear their experiences, what's happening in their businesses. So I think we sort of are scared of the gaps as organizers because we're wondering whether that's value and we've got to change that value proposition 
and really understand what that design can look like for the participant. So um, ask them what they want. Crazy. Revolutionary. Yeah, definitely. I think that that links to purpose as well, because you kind of have to, like I've mentioned at the start, talking about the demographic of the people that we've got joining, you should consider the same for your event attendees, you know, be it in person or, or whatever's kind of happening and welcoming their input at the registration stage or even at the kind of save the date kind of stage of what they're looking to get out of the the event is something that we regularly do as well, because that should ultimately help shape your agenda yes you can launch the event with a draft of the kind of content but if something comes up that everyone's looking for that isn't included in your agenda that should be sounding an alarm and you should be able to pivot to that for sure yeah agenda the agenda um you know again it's that you know take your fear of filling that to demonstrate value and actually go back and say what does that look like you know i i feel that if i've had a particularly interesting uh, session at a conference I'd like to spend a bit of time disseminating that information. What does that mean for me? What's that purpose? Um, what am I going to take back with me? How does that translate to what I do for a living or not? Mm. And I quite like to have that. And, and that seems to be something that we're seeing when we're designing that into the conferences that we're currently working on. You know, it's a challenge sometimes to work. I'm We're very blessed. We have some incredible clients that, you know, once you know, once you work with an MC, whether it's a conference MC or not, as you'll know, and you're in SWM, once you work with a, co a moderator or an MC that knows this stuff, you'll you'll never go back. And so, our clients now are really putting their faith in in our knowledge of their participants and their their event objectives, and you know, supporting them from a speaker coaching point of view through to the MC, through to the moderating, through to the meeting design. So. We're, we're sort of a lot more holistic than we used to be. And, you know, the proof of the pudding is in in the results of either the on-site surveys or the post-event surveys or, you know, the, the increase in membership, whatever it might be, you know, it mm. works. The metrics. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we've got a couple of um, guest comments as well. So we've got Ron joining us, who does have some experience mm -hmm. of public speaking. Hi, Ron. Uh, and we've also got Sam as well. So I feel the fear, but tell myself I'm excited. That is definitely a good tip. There is, if you, you know, we're in this business and Sam will know this, we're in the business of people. We are, you know, I would say I'm one step away from a neuroscientist. If I didn't have all the stupid song lyrics from sort of 1950 through to 2000, then I probably could be a neuroscientist, but sadly I don't have that in my head. But fear and excitement is all about adrenaline and it's managing and it is actually Sam you you probably are excited but it feels very close to fear and I think one of those things when uh, people whether they're confident or whether they're you know they're, they're new to this is is trying to manage that out um, we had our executive director at a recent conference and she was yeah, they were very nervous and understandably it's the worst thing is when you're doing it in front of your own peer group you know mm. these are people who are, are your folks it's your community and it's really it's real nail biting and so she said what do I do what do I do to channel it so I asked her to do 10 star jumps and she trusts me so she took off her shoes and she did 10 star jumps and she said, what does that mean? What, you know, what's the science behind that? And I said, I don't know. But I said, how do you feel? She said, I feel better. I said, you just took your mind off the fear. I could have asked her to, you know, 
go and drink a glass of water or go and do some, you know, obviously deep breathing is the most important thing to calm yourself down. But Sam, I think it's excitement and I think keep believing it's excitement and that will get you over the fear. Love that. Love that. Thank you both, Sams. And um, moving into sort of event planning then, we've kind of touched upon this a little bit already, but um, I know you're such a huge advocate, obviously, of having an MC at an event. Approximately, what does having an MC at an event bring? What are the kind of benefits to engagement and to the audience, etc.? How is that tangible for the event planners and why should they book MCs? How long have we got? Probably not enough time to tell, tell everybody uh, the why. I think, first of all, go and speak to people um, who have used an MC, a moderator at their events, and ask them. Uh, they're probably much better versed to give you, you know, a, an outsider's point of view on why. Go and talk to our clients. Why would they not? They would never go back. I think it's a whole bunch of things. It's, you know, as an organizer or as somebody who's who's planning events do you want some you know somebody who you can rely on when things go wrong and i say when because we're in live events they always do whether that's digitally you know we've got way a lot more chances of things going wrong in our fabulous virtual world but equally who do you want at that front of the room when the professor is not coming off the stage and people are feeling awkward or that professor is choking because he didn't take any water up with him you know who do you who do you want on your team to make sure that everybody in that room only feels the positive experience that they're paying to have from a speaker point of view if you're making your speakers and your content providers successful and you're getting the best out of them Somebody can do that in the organization. We lose business frustratingly where, where I think I'm going to be really honest, folks, the budget consideration hasn't, hasn't been there for an MC. And I think if we can roll it back and put that in at the beginning, things would really improve for, for these events. But we have clients come back and say, oh, we've got internal a person who wants to do it. It may be the sales director, it may be the CEO. We probably have all had that experience. Now that's great um, if that person has got the training to, to be able to do this. But at the same time as having to do what is quite a complex role, they're also having to be the sales director of their organization. Now to me, as the layperson, that doesn't seem quite fair. That's like saying to me, Whilst I'm emceeing, I need to build a brick wall. I can't do that. I haven't got the skill set to do that. At, certainly at the same time, I'd give the brick wall a go if I could focus on that and I might do an okay job, but I'm not going to do a job as good as a bricklayer. So I'll stick to my lane. Mm. Our job is to make those people look the best that they can be. Our job is to get the best out of them for the objectives of the event so uh, the last thing, I suppose, if we're going to do three things that people should really consider, and it's about managing that ebb and flow, that link that people often call the MC role the, the, the glue that binds everything together. So from that opening keynote and those messages that are coming through, how do they weave into that content as you're going through the day? What are those affirmations? What are those uh, points of low energy that need something extra to make sure that people stay in the room and don't switch off and put on a cat video or Facebook or online shopping. 
And that only comes from an experienced person who can read that room. And I mean virtually as well. This is a, a tough job to read a room, as you'll know, mm -hmm. uh, in the digital world. So again, what tips and tricks do we have up our sleeve that perhaps someone less experienced wouldn't have? And I would say quite a lot as trying to work out how many thousands of, of participants we've worked with. So we're a, we're a resource. And then, as we said, from a design point of view, we know what works. We see it. We, and probably most important, we know what doesn't. We've seen, you know, enough crazy things in our lives to probably write at least two or three books about it. So, you know, it's a trusted resource. It's an experienced person. You wouldn't bring in, you know, your mum to do the AV. So, you know, consider it's the same you wouldn't bring on a speaker that wasn't experienced in what they were talking about in line with the conference objectives so why I suppose the question is why wouldn't you mm. no I love that analogy I definitely wouldn't trust my mum to do the AV for anything um <laughs> sorry mum yeah, you're watching you're <laughs> I don't think she could even log in on LinkedIn so <laughs> running an AV show bless her but um as well it's such a, a complicated and in-depth role to give to someone multitasking like linking back to the sales director if that was the person that was appointed to to do it you definitely if you're not giving this role you're all and if you're not in the zone um of you know completely consumed in the agenda and you know what's happening next and having all of that in your head it, it's it's not going to go well right because if you have to check the agenda on stage one kind of little falter it, it almost loses the audience's engagement and attention and and that glue is is lost so I definitely see the value in in paying a professional to do it for sure the other thing is 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 as the independent you know commentator on on that stage or in that environment you are able to be very neutral and this was something that um my colleague and friend JJ, you know, taught me was that, you know, as a as an MC, I don't have an opinion. I'm I'm. It's not with my heart. My 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 opinion is about how we keep the energy in the room, how we get that content, you know, into our participants' heads, how we get them feeling, thinking, saying, doing, believing, acting uh, after the conference. So I'm not emotional about that content. Whereas if you're the sales director or the MD, you know, you've got a vested interest. We've all been in that situation where we go heart over head and that will sway conversation. That will sway opinion. If you're trying to have an independent discussion um, with your, you know, people who are, who are ultimately getting paid by you, how, how's that going to work? How are they mm. going to be feeling? Whereas, as an independent or bringing an independent facilitator in, they're there to do the job. They're there to get the best out of that. Um, and I'm not suggesting that uh, an internal uh, leader would not want that. It's just, it's more challenging for them to do. That said, there are some great people. And that said, we offer great training courses. So we're also happy to support if it's an internal, because there's a specific reason, we also are happy to help them be better at what they do. Hmm, interesting. I love that. And um, I hadn't even considered about the the neutral party. I think that's actually really important for, you know, medical industries that like we've already talked about, pharmaceutical, and also, um, you know, banking and finance industries, probably an important consideration for not putting, you know, for someone internal, they might give a really big 
uh, big up kind of introduction to one speaker and then perhaps not the next, but you're going to be an equal and, and neutral party. I love that. It's a perception. It's an optics thing. Um, and you can also ask questions, you know, you know, you're, you're effectively that participant in the audience who wants to ask that question, but can't or is maybe afraid to or is, a, mm. is an introvert. You're the independent who can say, well, actually, I'm sensing the audience don't feel what you're saying. Can you give us more? Can you tell us why? And I think that puts the independent uh, facilitator sort of in, in a really strong position to get the best out for both, you know, the, the speakers and, and the audiences. Mm, and empowering the audience as well. No, I love that. And um, the other Sam that's watching has put in a comment as well based on her experience. I often see MCs also doing the Zoom producer role and it can ruin the flow if they are not very experienced uh, on that sort of multitasking element. I definitely think those two things are best kept separate for complicated events for sure. And I'm sure Sam, you'll agree. I think I think it's like everything. If we if we you know, as you said, I like to sort of take it right back, strip it back, and and look at the elements of of putting something like this together. Whether it's a workshop, whether it's an investigative meeting, whether it's a a three day conference, the ultimate thing is come back and go. What's the why? As we said, and what are you know when you get through and start doing this and then building it out is what's that resource that's needed and before we even if I hear the words we don't have the budget it's like well if you don't have the budget you haven't planned well enough which means you've not done your job well enough sorry folks you've heard it here you need to have planned better because we don't go and buy a house and say yes we really want to buy this house and then say oh no sorry it's two hundred thousand pounds no I haven't got the budget we don't go through that process and then say we don't have a budget so go through that process spend that time on that planning, what do we need? And I think to Sam's point, you know, I we had a community meetup with our North American associates last or last week or the week before when I was in the States. And could I have ran the Zoom meeting? Yes, I could. Do I know the background of that? Yes, I do. I don't do it very often anymore. But I didn't. I asked one of my wonderful colleagues to support because she's more experienced. And then it allowed me to be Sam from Conference MCs. I didn't have to worry about the technology which would have put me off my stride to get the objective, you know, the objectives of us is bringing our community together, asking them what they want from our community. And I would have just been lost because I was trying to figure out how to launch the Slido and yada, yada, yada. So yeah, I think it's please spend that time. And if you look at a standard conference and you say to yourself, how much time are we asking a participant to invest in? versus the salaries that they're earning and then let's look at the number of hours that looks like then surely the amount of time that we spend before looking at that design and that planning and that budget is important mm, 100% and you know planning is is 100% key and uh you made a comment earlier about staying in your lane and I love that um a good friend of mine Rupert Rupert I don't know if you're watching always says stay in your lane and she doesn't mean it as like a nasty way but it's kind of like if you are teetering to getting involved with perhaps what is not your expertise or trying to juggle too many things it's just like a reminder from her to just be like look you're an expert in this stay in that it's fine to kind of have an interest in other things but there reaches a point where you have to stick with your expertise and what you know and we do that even from, uh, you know, especially in conference MCs and, you know, maybe some of the uh, the people who are, are watching with us may or may not agree. I'm a conference MC. 
Uh, I am best in a business to business environment, not that there's a huge difference anymore between B2B and B2C. But in that, you know, that two, three day big project work, scripting, design, that's, you know, that's what I do well. That's what I do best at. If you came to me and said, Sam, could you host an award ceremony? Well, I could, yes, because I'm I'm an experienced host. But that's not my lane. That's not my field of expertise. I don't do it enough to have, you know, honed my expertise in in understanding those audiences. But I know some incredible associates in our community who have those skills. So why would you not stay in your lane and be the best you can be? Mm. And sometimes you have to hop out of your lane. We know this. And probably as women, we know this even more. But in terms of when we're talking about the production of of an event, um, you know, we have some great speakers who get asked to moderate. Mm. And there are some who do it spectacularly well. But there's a lot that don't. And people sort of assume, well, you know, they're a a VIP, they're a personality, they're from the television, um, they're a speaker, surely they can do this. It's an incredibly different role. Mm. hugely different expectations many more variables when you're presenting something about yourself it's very focused it's it's focused on you know your content whereas flip it over we're all about everybody else's uh content or problems so again that staying in your lane if you've got the expertise to expand then wonderful but you know a specialist is a specialist right mm. Agreed. And but I I think on the other end of the spectrum, kind of, it's not so bad to have experience of other lanes. I think that um, there's a fine balance between it. And I'm sure you'll agree in terms of when I've served as sort of as a technical role, when I've had to do a bit of speaking, gives me more empathy for the people that I'm also trying to organize around me because I understand a bit more about what they're going through and also crucially how I can set them up best for succeeding in that role. 100%. I mean, as you alluded to, if people look at my background, it's, it's, it's fundamentally communications, whether whatever role I've been in, but the variety of what I do, yes, I mean, because my background has been in events, I know that side, and and you're right, you can empathise, and, you know, that's what, that's that wonderful world called, word called experience, um, you know, if you've if you've been there, but in terms of you know that planning process process, um, it's about the special specialities, and we you know we look at that, take it back to all industries. You know, you don't have the the, the cancer specialist saying, "Oh, I'll have a I'll have a go at you know toe surgery." Mm. You wouldn't. So again, I think sometimes we we shouldn't get buried in our own bubbles. We should look out and go, "Well, actually, how how does business run?" how does healthcare run maybe it doesn't run effectively it's that's another debate that's another discussion that's a round table with everybody <laughs> who's in your audience today we'll discuss that next time absolutely no that sounds good and um speaking of next time this has been an absolute pleasure sam thank you so much for joining i feel like we could go all day but we are just running to time here uh so if you haven't already do connect with myself and sam if you're in the audience today and sam's website is also available scrolling through screen if you are interested in hiring an mc finding out a little bit more but sam it's been such a pleasure thank you so much for joining me today Thank you for having me. It's uh, been great. Thanks for all the comments and uh, in- engagement. And 
uh, yeah, contact us if we can be of any help. Absolutely. Have a good rest of the day, everyone. Thanks for joining.